Good morning. Are you guys ready? Am I, am I ready? <laughs> First, I wanted to start by saying thanks a lot, Alice Shirey, if you're in the room. If you were here last week, she concluded by saying Kurt is going to clear everything up or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was certainly not what's going to happen. In fact, uh, she set sex high expectations that during the week I had several people uh, who ran into me, you know, say, I can't wait to have you come clear everything up. So uh, I'm going to set low expectations right from the start here. I will not clear everything up. I will not be telling you that the end is near or that the end is far or that the end already happened. Inside joke for you preterists, if you know what the word even means. I will not tell you who the Antichrist is or what 666 means. Uh, so low bar. I, uh, in fact, I've been teaching at Orchard for uh, somewhere along the lines of 20 years, and I've had a certain unwritten rule that has guided my teaching for all that time, and it goes something like this. Uh, it's on a slide. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, 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 ever, never teach creation or revolu- revelation. But here we are. Kurt got the assignment. I was out of town when I got the assignment, by the way. Usually I stand up here and I say, at the teacher's meeting, we said we were going to do this and I just really wanted to do this and da da da. This time, seriously, I was out of town and I get a note, you're doing Revelation. Really? All right. It's all good. So uh, here's, I got to tell you what my goals are for, I have four goals uh, and it's uh, sort of high. A, I want you to understand what kind of writing Revelation is. It's a certain, actually, it's not one certain type. That's what part of what makes it hard. Uh, it's, it's three genres of, of writing all in one book. I want you to understand what those are. Uh, I want you to understand some really basic, really basic terminology so that if you're online or if you're in a discussion and, and uh, tribulation comes up, you know what that means. Um, then I want to tell you uh, about four basic ideas about how these terms uh, uh, sequence themselves. Because in America today, especially after the uh, uh, Left Behind series books, which, by the way, I read all of them and I enjoyed them. But, uh, but since those books, it's sort of like that's what the culture thinks that we all believe. And the fact is... That is not what everyone in Christendom believes, and it has not been what um, the majority of the historical Christians have believed. So I just want you to know what other beliefs are out there so you don't think there's only one kind. Um, and if I get all that done, <laughs> then I want to show you, uh, despite having said that I, um, I don't want to teach Revelation ever, I read Revelation, and I understand uh, some of the ideas about it. And there are certain things in Revelation that just really inspire me. And so I want to get to that part as quick as I can. I want to show you some things in there that, man, John saw something cool. Um, and and wow, we, we can worship this uh, amazing God that John talks about in Revelation. So I'm going to try to get there. There's my four goals. So are you ready? You got your seatbelts on? First of all, what kind of writing is it? Um, well, uh, we have letters in the New Testament. We've and we've and we've looked at those. These letters from Paul, and it's it's interesting. And I'm sure you've read a lot of the letters from Paul. But you see, the the letter writing style of the time very specific uh, formula, right? Every single one of the letters in the New Testament starts the same way. It tells you who's writing. I, Paul, an apostle. Da, da. Uh, it tells you who he's writing to to the church in Corinthians. Da da da. da. And then it and then it gives a, a blessing, right? He says. Uh, Greetings to you from da 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 right? And that's every letter. And it's not just in the, in the New Testament. That's how letters were written then. It's just like we have a form for writing letters, right? Donnie, comma, da-da-da. Signed, sincerely, Johnny. 
Um, so this is a letter. It starts right off in the first uh, in the first uh, verses. John. So he's identifying who's writing to the seven churches of the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and was and is to come. And he keeps going. He has long flowery uh, sentence about who God is. Uh, but so it's a letter. So we should understand it as a letter. We should start looking at it as this is something some guy penned down and then sent off to some other people. Um, so it's a letter. Another thing it is, though, is it's a prophecy. Uh, in the Old Testament, we have histories and prophecies and the law. Prophecies have this sort of style, and the style of a prophecy is God tells somebody something, and then God expects that person to go tell a bunch of other people. Uh, so there's a very good section in this, chapters 2 and 3, that, are, that follow the prophecy uh, standard, follow the way it is. Uh, I'll read you just one verse. Out of 2.1, it says, and this is God speaking to John, and he says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write... These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. And he goes on to tell uh, something about it. So it's it's it follows the the genre of prophecy. God is telling people something. And we're going to get back to that. And and Ed mentioned it, too. There's there's uh, messages to seven different churches. And that's one of the places I go to in Revelation and say, this is a place where I can go and learn uh, something uh, really practical about what needs to be done today. But then we have this next kind of writing, a genre called the apocalyptic. And it's um, it's unique in the New Testament, but it's not unique in the Bible. Uh, Ezekiel uh, was a, a prophet, uh, an apocalyptic. And, and it's a style of writing that you have to understand if you're going to try to understand the book of Revelation. It's a style of writing that has this form. The form is God or an angel or somebody appears uh, to a person and then shows them a vision. And that vision usually has a combination of really horrible things that are about to happen and really great things that are about to happen. And, and then this person carefully writes down... Um, a form of writing that, that says what they saw and heard in a way that uses all kinds of encoded language. Very structural coded language. To give you an example of how coded language works, uh, it, it, it depends on a group of people all understanding a similar thing about a certain, uh, a certain set of events that are real to them right now. And then this person using these codes. So like if I said... If I said that, what would that mean? That would mean horses are about to start racing. We all know that. Right? But for those of you listening on tape, there was a little cell phone. Anyway, if I said, and then I saw a vision of a city whose foundations were a mile high, and there was an orange horse, and the rider of that orange horse was barking out orders. Who am I talking about? Peyton Manning. Exactly right. Some of you are like, What? Which is exactly how apocalyptics work. People who are in the know know. People who are not in the know are like, what? So that's exactly how we should be approaching these writings. These writings have stuff inside of them that a lot of it we would just be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because we're not in the group that was being written to in this letter that was an apocalyptic form. Another huge thing about an apocalyptic form is numbers usually are a symbol of something or other. So they'll have all kinds of numbers. There's numbers spread throughout Revelation like crazy. Everything is numbered. There's seven of this and there's 12 of that. And numbers have meaning in an apocalyptic. Um, so so uh, 
So it, it would say, in fact, you've just seen some of them. Uh, there was uh, there was seven lampstands. Why seven lampstands? Seven is the number of perfection. Seven is the uh, number that represented uh, the church once it was glorified. There's, there are stars. Stars represented things. So uh, let me read you this. The angel who talked, this is in Revelation 21. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, the gates and the walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. There's a number. Anytime you see a number, you're like, okay, what does that number mean? Twelve. Twelve, the twelve apostles, the twelve tribes of Judah. Twelve meant the completion of the church. Okay, so twelve is this really magical number. Now it's, he's twelve thousand. A thousand meant something that was just sort of big and beyond imagination. So it's the perfection beyond imagination number, right? And so you're saying, he's saying there's this city, but you got to understand that that was the walls of the city. And 12,000 stadia long was 1,500 miles long. So he's not really saying there's a city that was 1,500 miles long. He was saying there was a city that was perfect and, and infinite or perfect and so big you can't even imagine it. It was like 12,000, right? Uh, and then he goes on to say, and it was as long and wide and tall, the same dimensions. Well, that doesn't make much sense. A city that's 1,500 miles tall? Really? Well, you gotta understand. He, what he's saying is, it's three things that are exactly the same. A perfect cube. Uh, the number three is the number of perfection, which is the number of the Trinity, which means something is completely holy. And so this city was completely holy and perfect in its cubeness. It's three of infinite proportions. So when you're reading in Revelation, you got to understand apocalyptic. If there's a number, the number probably means something beyond what it's uh, saying it means. Um, here's another uh, common number, 40, right? If you're reading anywhere in the scriptures, this is true. The number four is the number of mankind or the number of usually the number of a journey that um, helps shape somebody. 400 years in Egypt, 40 years, 40 days in the desert for Jesus, 40 days of the flood for Noah, 40 days on Mount Sinai for Moses. Um, and, and the numbers four and 40 just keep rolling through the scriptures. So you got to understand that. All right. So that's the kind of writing it is. Now I'm going to talk about four terms, four terms that probably most of you know about. But uh, as we're skimming across the New Testament, it seems helpful uh, if you know these terms. One is the rapture. You got to say it like that, too. The rapture. The rapture actually isn't referred to in uh, in Revelation. Um, you got to understand that these terms that come about. The, uh, here's another term for you: eschatology, the the study of the end times. These terms uh, actually come from all over the place because uh, Daniel writes about the end times, and and uh, it's written about in Isaiah, and and Jesus talks about it some in Matthew, and and uh, Paul talks about it. This word rapture actually comes uh, in First Thessalonians. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's how the NIV expresses it. That caught up together, that's that word rapture. We will be raptured into the clouds. It's, it's an idea that no matter how, what your um, view of how the end times is going to work, there's some point at which the church and Jesus meet. We say hello to each other, right? And there's some point at which this happens in sort of this amazing way. Maybe we actually leave our leave the ground and are floating in the air. Maybe it's just uh, so extremely happy that we feel like we're floating in the air. But, but whatever it is, at some point, the church and Jesus meet. And that uh, is the rapture. The millennium. Uh, the millennium is a period of a thousand years. Remember what I said about numbers? Maybe it's not really a thousand years. Maybe it's a really long time. 
The, the millennium is a period of, but maybe it is a real thousand years too, by the way. Uh, it's a period of a thousand years. Then the, and the book of Revelation says, uh, and then, and then uh, God seized the dragon and he put him into a pit and he sealed him there for a thousand years. So there's this idea that there's a period of a thousand years where the devil really isn't able to uh, do his work, where there's great uh, uh, reign of Jesus uh, in the land. And so, and so it's a period, it's an idea of a period of uh, greatness, this amazing time where Jesus is able to reign and Satan is not able to reign. Then there's the tribulation. Um, the tribulation refers to a period of time, maybe seven years long, maybe not seven years long, a period of time in which the church, maybe, <laughs> or everyone else, and you're going to see how all these variations come out in the next section, but where people on earth go through this great uh, uh, amount of suffering, where there's all kinds of things that happen to people, uh, and, and, and lots of people might suffer and die. Um, this is the tribulation. There's a reference to it in uh, Revelation 7:14, where uh, where John is seeing uh, people in heaven, and he says, "Oh, look at all those people with white robes. Who are they?" And the answer is, "These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, and they've washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb." There's a great tribulation referred to. And then finally, this uh, final period, the new Jerusalem, the new earth, uh, the, the new thing. I'm just call, calling it the glory period of time uh, where we all end up in glory. And that is the one thing I'm fairly certain I do know about. That's going to happen. We are going to end up in glory. All right. So this is group participation time. You guys are going to since all that was sort of technical and weird. I'm going to let you clear your brains a second. So group participation time. The next thing we're going to do is talk about four uh, different ways of looking at the um, uh, looking at this scripture, and and you're going to help me by helping uh, sequence them. So, one of you guys, let's say you guys are the rapture, and whenever rapture comes up in our sequence, you're going to say bye bye. All right, so try it. Bye bye. Yeah. Wow, you guys are weak. That was a weak rapture. I'll just tell you that right now. You guys are the millennium. Uh, so there's a thousand years of good, um, but it's not as good as the glory. So I'm going to have you guys say, yes, yes, good. This millennium is also not too fun. Um, and now you guys are going to be the, uh, what, what, what do I have left? The tribulation, the tribulation. Did I, I didn't do that already, did I? Okay, good. Tribulation. You guys are going to say, boo, right, one, two, three, boo. Yes. And then the outer two groups, you guys are the glory. You guys are all the glory. So you guys are going to say, hooray! And you got to do this one good because this is real glory. So one, two, three. Hooray! Right, okay. All right, so here we go. All right, a late glory. So here we go. Uh, we have one way of looking at that, one way of ordering things, and this is the one that you're probably most familiar with. Um, it's... It's uh, some there's some uh, people called dispensationalists who uh, are in this or there's another kind of uh, pre pre millennials they're called. So this is the one that you're most familiar with and it follows the order. (laughs) What did I do on my slide? I didn't even help myself. So it follows the order um, tribulation. Wait, 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 wait. I think we're one too far. I think we're one slide too far. Is there a slide right before this that says no, I'm out of order then. Okay, we'll just talk about them in a different order. So go forward. There it is. That's the one. Dispensational premillennialists. 
So this is the one you're most familiar with. The tribulation happens first. I mean, the, the rapture happens first, then the tribulation happens, then there's a thousand years, and then glory. So it goes in the order of who's who? Bye-bye. Oh, this is going to be fun. All right, next one. Next one. It might be the previous one. I don't know where it is. Premillennials. Go back up to premillennials if it was out of order. I'm sorry if I'm out of order. Historic premillennials. All right, so these people think there's a tribulation that the church is going to be a part of, and then there's going to be a rapture, and then there's going to be a thousand years, and then then, uh, super happiness. So here we go. Where's booze? All right. I also noted down there we could have done all, all kinds of weird combinations about how the boos and bye-byes intersect with each other. Um, those are called uh, mid-trib premillennialists and post-trib premillennialists and all that, but just for you super geeky people. All right. Now we got the next one. All right, so post-millennialism... These people, this is interesting, they believe that most of the book of Revelation happened already. It happened uh, somewhere around 70 AD. And then we are currently in the millennium, so things are getting better and better and better and better and better until we get to the glory. So post-millennialists, um, it's, uh, it's that the... There's some, there was tribulation that happened back in 70 when the temple was attacked and the, and Jews were wiped out and all kinds of bad things happened. And I mean, really, really bad things happened. I mean, think about it. The Christians were persecuted. They were burned at the stake. All kinds of things that could very legitimately called, be called the tribulation, uh, happened. But now we're in the millennium and things should be getting better and better until Jesus comes. Um, so here we go. So where's booze? Oh, and yes, wait, this is, yes, very long time, because it's getting better and better and better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good job. All right. Is this helping? And the final, final ones are called amillennials. These are people who believe that there really, in a sense, there isn't a millennium. Um, um, I can't even explain that, but I, I mean, I could, but I don't have time. Uh, and then really there's no rapture either that sort of just all happens at the end. So I put those two together. So really, in a sense, again, we're in a sense of millennium. The millennium just means that the spirit of God is here. And so God is able to reign in our hearts in a really, really, really different way than he reigned in the hearts of the people in the Old Testament. So that describes a millennium where, where Jesus, where God is ruling, right? Um, and then right at the end, there's a, a bit of a judgment. And then we're all in uh, glory together. So... Yeses? Yes. Boo, where are you? And then at the same time, bye-byes and hoorays. All right. Uh, If you remember nothing, that won't surprise me. Okay. All right, so now, let's get more serious. Given that... Oh, I do have one other funny slide. If you ask me what my view is, my view is we're all wrong. We are all wrong. This is a picture of God reading our ideas and laughing his head off. We are all wrong. I'll tell you some uh, some personal story. When I was growing up, my dad had a cartoon on his bulletin board, and it had um, it had this big wall, and on the wall there was doors, and the doors were amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial, and there was people standing outside of it, scratching their heads, like 
got to make this decision. I got to make this decision. And from the viewer, you could see that on the other side of the wall, everyone was in heaven. The doors just all went through and everyone was in heaven. And they were all like, what? <laughs> and it really, as a kid, shaped my view that this stuff it's like it, we're peering into a black hole. There's, there's almost no way we can see. And so I, I sort of decided, my, my funny rule about don't teach revelation, I sort of make a decision that says, focus on things I can do, right? Focus on things I can know. Focus, there's, there's so many things that I can teach uh, that don't involve shining a flashlight in a black hole. Anyway, I think that's funny. But despite the fact that I think that's funny... I don't just like take Revelation out of my Bible and throw it away and say, I can't know anything about that, right? There's still lots of things that I can, that I can read and be inspired by about what's in here. One of the things I go to is the letters to the seven churches that are in chapter two and three. These letters, um, are, 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 they're, they're, they're kind of surprising because God is a little harsh on them. I mean, he says, here's some good things that you're doing, but, but man, you got some work to do. And he just lays it out there and he just tells them, there's a lot that you still have to do. There's a lot that you still have to work on. And so, he, and so these letters to the seven churches are a good place for you to go, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and say, in what way are we like the church in Sardis? In what way are we like the other seven churches? Because there's things reflected in those seven churches that are like us, that are like me. You know, would that you were either cold or hot. But since you're neither cold nor hot, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You know, pick, pick a side and go after it and have some passion. That's a great thing to go and read out of the book of Revelation. Another one is the next chapter, chapter 4. And I just want you to take a deep breath and listen to chapter 4. I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's not very big. Chapter 4 is this amazing worship-filled vision of who God is, how big He is, how powerful He is. Let your mind, let your mind soak this in as if you were there. After this, I looked and before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carmelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders and they were dressed in white and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing and these are the seven spirits um, of God. And before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, there were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third, like a face of a man. The fourth, like a flying eagle. Each of the four creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under their wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was... And is, and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, and he who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders all fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshipped him, and they lived forever and ever. And, And they laid their crowns before them, and they said, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. I mean, wow. 
This is a picture that's sort of beyond our imagination of how amazing God's throne room is. And that vision is, is a vision that, that John had that's happening right now as we sit here, as we talk about funny things. God is sitting in a throne somewhere that you can only describe as having peals of lightning and thunder emanating from it and a, and a, and a, and a lake as clear as crystal and 24 elders who bow before and take their thrones off and lay them on the ground and say, you are holy and, and you deserve, you, you earn living forever. It's an amazing vision. So I'm already over my time, but I'll tell you the, the last thing is um, when, when I read through Revelation, um, I cannot believe, and you know that this thrills me, that the, the long threads of the Bible, you cannot believe how many things are referred to in, in Revelation that are the fulfillments of these long threads. I mean, it is so densely packed um, uh, that... that, that um, when he says, uh, there I saw a new, uh, there I heard the, the, the voice of God saying, uh, I'm going to dwell among them. Obviously, that's the, the culmination of all these things where God was saying he was going to dwell among us. There's this picture of the river going, cutting through, and there's a tree of life sitting on either side of it. Yeah, obviously, it's the river from Eden and the tree of life. And it says, but now the tree is useful for healing and there will be no more curse. I mean, we reverse that whole, the very first uh, verses of the Bible are reversed in the end. And it just goes on and on and on. He refers to a, a light, that the city didn't need any light because you could just see, which is a reference back to God creating light. And then all through the scriptures saying God is light. God is light. When Jesus came, he was the light. I mean, to me, I go there and, and I get so much inspiration that over a period of many thousands of years, all these different authors wrote and it all comes together and it all works. And it makes me think, okay, this is no accident. This is happening. This is a reality. That God is on the throne and that we are heading towards his throne is a reality. And so that's what I do with the book of Revelation. I'm going to pray and invite the band to come out. Heavenly Father, glorious Father, Father who's sitting on a throne with lightning and thunder and elders and crazy creatures with eyes and wings, all of whom are praising and saying, holy, holy, holy is God. We come now and we join with that. We'll sing our worship songs too. We'll sing how great thou art. And we'll praise you. And we'll understand that even, even when we don't understand some of the things that are going to happen, we do know that you're on the throne and that you're in control. And that in the end, we will be, we will be seeing that worship chorus as they praise you. So be with us now as we worship you. Amen.